Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. You're a car guy, so I want to know the first car you ever drove. The first car I ever drove was a a, a lesson car, a Ford Escort. So what's the coolest car you've ever owned? The coolest car I actually own now, I bought uh, a couple of years ago a car for my birth year, a 1968 oh, um, nice. Datsun Fair Lady. So it's a, it's a convertible. How often do you drive it? Quite often, actually. I would say, I would say once a week. Uh, once yeah. or twice a week, I'll take it to the office and it's good fun. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. Today, my guest on the CMO podcast is Roald DeVries. He's Dutch and he's a car guy. He's been in the car business his entire career, and he's lived in the Netherlands, his home country, South Africa, and Japan. We recorded this from Cannes, so we talked a lot about the marketing and advertising industry and where that's going. And we talked about a significant meeting he had in South Africa with Nelson Mandela. Here's my conversation with Roel. So, Roel, welcome to the CMO Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. You're the first car guy we've had on, which I'm excited about, and you're an athlete right? You're a golfer, you run, you're skiing. You've been in Cannes all week. We're recording this episode in the south of France yep. at the big festival. Have you stayed active this week? Um, no, this week not. I only no. arrived yesterday, so it's been pretty back to back. back. But to call me an athlete, it's, it's very flattering. Thank you. Um, not completely accurate, though. Your first job was in your family business of baking. So what did you learn there that has helped you today uh, if there's one advice i can give young young people it's a family start. business right yeah basically. it was a family business my father's business uh many pastry baking and pastry uh shop and uh, uh one advice i can give young people try and go and work as as young as possible when, when you can uh, because what you learn how there, early were you in the bakery um well it was my my father's uh, business so I, I started young so i started 13 14 uh, uh, but then later on, it's basically how I made my pocket money. And it was uh, starting at four in the morning and working till 10 in the morning. And uh, what you learn, uh, in my view, is, is is about basically contributing, doing things, working hard. Uh, responsibility. I, responsibility, all of that. And uh, yeah, I've really learned a lot from that. So your bachelor's degree was in engineering. So how did you decide to switch into marketing? What was the catalyst? Was there a leader or was there a job what was it that made you switch well it it sort of happened like quite often in careers and uh, but what what i've always had was a was a passion for people and an interest in in different things and cultures and and things that uh, that move the world so i've always had that and 
my biggest passion of what I wanted to do when I was young was to be a factory manager. I studied industrial engineering, uh, supply chain management, because I wanted to run a big factory where they make things. And uh, I, I find that very, very intriguing. You still and love factories? I still love factories. Yeah, and and car factories are amazing. And also, yeah. uh, they're, they're big management jobs, so you can, you can manage a lot of people. And anyway, I really enjoy that. Then uh, when I finished my uh, graduation, I got into into Nissan actually in product planning. And product planning at that time I found really interesting because it was not necessarily the manufacturing side, but it was still around uh, planning products for the future and being involved in the in the development process of cars. Uh, I found that interesting. And then I figured out quite quickly that product planning, a uh, big, big part of that is actually figuring out what people want in the first yep. place. Yep. And, uh, and that's where really my, my passion opened up in terms of uh, really understanding consumers. Why do people want things or do things mm -hmm. that they do? Um, and then like often in careers, I guess, you, you get opportunities, you grab them and, and you keep following the stuff that you like. I, I still think I could have been a very happy factory manager. Right, well, maybe someday. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> maybe not. So, hey, we're recording this episode in Cannes, right? And we're here in the south of France. Uh, at the biggest marketing festival in the world, the Oscars yeah. of our industry. So, and, you know, I've seen you quoted as saying the holding companies need to transform. They need to listen to the client when deciding where to focus, where to invest. You know, and we're here in Cannes, the prominent companies are the consulting firms, yeah. Accenture, Deloitte, the platforms, Facebook, Google, Snap. So where do you think this is all going? <laughs> you had to describe this crazy marketing, advertising, communication, tech yeah. industry five years from now? What would it look like? So first of all, the fact that we all come together here as an industry uh, for me is, is a good thing and interesting thing because what is uh, facing all of us is uh, a, a fast accelerating change uh, which um, is going to lead to an unknown direction. So if you ask me where will we be five years from now, anyone who will tell you that and thinks that they're sure about it, I think they're per definition wrong. So first of all, it's good that everybody's here. It is good that more and more companies are stepping in the industry because they believe that there's certain areas where they can add value, where they can contribute, whether that is in data or creativity or uh, technology or, or whatever it is. So I think those are all, they're all good. The who are going to be the, the winners or the, uh, the, the players that are going to come out strong? As I said, I don't know for sure. I can give you my, my thoughts on it. What, what I think is going to be absolutely critical is the integration of all of it. And that is probably going to be the biggest challenge because we more and more can, can solve individual elements when it is around uh, data or analytics or technology. or uh, we, we, can, we can do more almost every single day. Um, but the, the goal that we sort of all have, which is to create meaningful engagement uh, with individuals uh, directly, I think we're very, very far away from that. And to truly achieve that, you need to have your creativity, your data, your technology uh, really work fully integrated. Uh, and uh, you need to do that at an enormous scale uh, and you need to do that every single minute of every single day. So, so the, the challenge ahead of us is, is big, and the only way to solve that, in my view, is by a very deep integration of everything that you do. So I said quite often that for us, and by the way, every brand will, will make their choices, which is a beautiful thing, so there is no one solution. 
but I believe, uh, my view, that a very strong partnership with uh, some of the key players, in our case, uh, Omnicom is our, our holding company, a deep partnership with them where you really jointly work on trying to figure some of this stuff out, uh, where we push them to do what we believe is right, but at the same time, they should uh, push mm -hmm. us because clients need to change uh, right. just as much in this, right. in this world. Um, I believe that is the way to go. Then the technologies that we need or the specific uh, expertise in certain very detailed fields, we can get those. Uh, that doesn't bother me so much. I think that the data and the technology items are being solved um, and we can utilize those. But to integrate them into everything we do, I think that's the big challenge. So what marketing do you really admire these days? Which companies, which brands? You know, we're at the award shows and, you know, you and I have both been in a lot of meetings, so we probably yeah. haven't seen a lot of work this week. <laughs> Not but enough, what, no. what do you, who do you admire these days in terms of campaigns, brands? A very wide range. Uh, and what, what, I, what I admire is uh, brands that, that are able to be both very creative um, and daring and at the same time be very consistent over a long period of time. And the, there's many brands that are very consistent over a very long period of time, but sometimes creativity suffers and there's many brands that are very creative and uh, are just not doing that consistently uh, over time. In our case, Nissan, we're probably somewhere in the middle. I would definitely not put us uh, at, at the top level in that. We're trying to, we're trying to uh, uh, figure that out. Um, for me, the, the, the brands that, that I admire are, uh, at the moment, uh, those brands that are really creating uh, creative, emotive, human, uh, human connection uh, with, with people. And uh, I wouldn't mention individual brands because I think there are many individual examples rather than brands. I honestly believe, uh, Jim, as an industry, we, we have a lot to figure out. I think any brand that thinks that they are on top of this thing, uh, they're probably wrong. And I and also don't want to also, our own people that mm -hmm. listen to this maybe, I don't want to send a message saying, well, hey guys, this is the benchmark. I don't think we have figured out the benchmark yet. That's my, my honest answer. Yeah, there's lots of inspiration around, right? And lots yeah. of companies doing interesting things. I mean, look at Amazon for customer obsession yeah. and speed. You know, you can look at um, Google for just the unbelievable innovation on search. Yep. They just never stop, you know. So, of course, there's things we can learn from everyone. A lot of startups, the passion, yep. the energy, the disruption, the uh, agility, yep. you know. But I agree with you. No one has it figured out. What, what That's what's I, good about this conference, actually. You just see a lot absolutely. of brands trying I to figure so. it out. What I, what I do at the moment, what, what really uh, inspires me and what, what disrupts uh, many industries, but also ours, are companies that are really figuring out customer experience. So this is not really the, the creativity question that you mentioned, but companies like uh, Amazon you mentioned, but, but Netflix, for example, uh, or Airbnb, and those companies that, that are really truly managing to connect all the touch points with their consumers, uh, I think they, they are really driving change for everybody else because they're setting a new standard that we all have to live up to. Now, I would not use them, and that's why I'm so nervous to use brands as examples, because to us, they are not necessarily an example in terms of 
how can we follow? Because in the in the car industry, we we are a hundred year old industry, and we've we've built up a lot of legacy, and a lot of these brands. They, they started something new. They went, they saw a, a certain friction point in the consumer experience or sort of an unmet need. They went for it and they did an amazing job. Uh, but what is inspiring about it is that they, they just send a new benchmark because a customer doesn't care whether they deal with a 100-year-old industry or with a 5-year-old industry. But now for a 100-year-old industry to do what a five-year-old startup uh, is doing is not necessarily so easy, uh, but the customer expectation That's is right. set by the right. small startup. Right. And for me, it's intriguing, it's fascinating, and, and I think it's good because it, it, good it, 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 challenges, yeah. uh, it challenges all of us. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it caught some of us by, by surprise, I would say. The speed, I think, caught many of us by surprise. Yeah. Tesla is a relatively small brand, but has had a big impact. Yeah. They're punching much larger than their weight. So, what's your take on Tesla? Has it has it had an impact on you? Uh, Tesla had a big impact, and you know what? I, I think it was a really, really great thing that happened to the industry because uh, you you sometimes need the disruptor to to set the next uh, the next goal, the next target. And Tesla is challenging everything, uh, whether it is uh, electric vehicles, which, by the way, is also a big part of, of ours. And it's really helping us in that sense because they made electric vehicles attractive and premium. Um, so zero competition, in my view, completely supportive of what you're trying to do. Uh, but Tesla, in the way they go to market, in the way they uh, um, sell their cars, uh, the relationship with dealers, they, they challenge everything everywhere. Now, can we do what they do? No. Again, they are a startup company. They're coming fresh. They don't have the legacy. So they they can disrupt. Um, but what it is doing, it is make us uh, see what maybe is possible. I think many, many car companies uh, change a lot of things because of the inspiration of Tesla. Uh, competition always is a good thing. Uh, of course, it, it sounds nice as I wish there was no competition, but you will become relevant. The only way we as brands get better and better is if we are continuously challenged uh, by competitors or by uh, consumers. But a, an industry without competition, in my view, will die. Um, and that's why I think what Tesla did to our industry was a good thing. Now, I met today with um, one of the early employees of Away, you know, the luggage company that started with one piece of luggage. And all of a sudden... They're defining their business as we're going to make travel wonderful, delightful, fast, easier, creative. And they're growing like 100% a year. Amazing. Huh? I mean, this is what's possible. But, you know, doing that with a company of your scale and size. Yeah. And also the, the, the setup. Eh? If yeah. you, uh, uh, we're not a startup. So if uh, a lot of these initiatives, by the way, by the time they manage to scale, because that's always the trick, not to have the great idea and then manage to scale it. Uh, but while they are scaling, Profit is not necessarily right. the first they have free money in a way. Correct. Right? And it's very different in our industry. Yeah, not? If we would try and do that, and, and then you also come from a, a long-standing industry, I, I don't think it's the type of stuff that our shareholders uh, are expecting yeah, us to do. Yeah, they have very different uh, expectations. But right? yet, we should be We're doing it world. to do what, what, what world, our consumers right? uh, want. And, and that's why it's, uh, it's, uh, it's fascinating. But... The benchmark is definitely not set by us at the moment. Uh, and I mean, not us as, as Nissan, but us as the more established industries. I think the benchmarks uh, are set by the, the challenges out there. And uh, yeah, they just make us work harder mm. and do better. Yeah. 
Certainly one theme in Cannes for the last several years and a huge theme this year is brand purpose. Every other presentation is about that. Everyone, I think, gets it. It's a good way to do business. People want to be part of an enterprise that has meaning and has a greater meaning in people's lives. So with this now such you know, widely diffused in the industry, how do you differentiate? Where do you see brand purpose and what's the future of purpose and differentiation? So if I, if I start with, with taking that straight to us, uh, I, th- I think you should have a purpose that's very close to what you do. So in other words, um, what the products or services that you sell need to be really contributing to the purpose. So I don't believe, and quite often you hear, that uh, there are purpose-driven ideas, but companies or brands do initiatives that are actually a bit outside of the core of what they do. And uh, so I don't believe in that. I believe you need to keep it very close and it needs to be really at the core of what you do. So in our company, uh, we have basically two main objectives which we which we set out quite a while ago, which is to uh, contribute or try and create a world with zero emissions uh, and zero fatality. So in other words, a world where... That's a uh, BHAG. Yeah, a world where mobility uh, does not have a negative impact on the environment and it does not cause injury uh, uh, for for people, drivers or pedestrians, whoever they are. And if you then look at purpose it is very close to what we do every single day and it's very close to what our consumers want from us and then it then it's natural um, so then the question though is do you how do you talk about it we don't talk so much about this in terms of purpose we talk about this in terms of what we do uh, and maybe it's sometimes good to to change that or reflect on that but we talk you would not often see Nissan talk about talking about our purpose, but almost everything we talk about is about environment, safety, how technology can can make people's lives better, uh, and how mobility basically makes makes the world makes the world uh, better. Um, and I do believe that that you really need this uh, as as a brand, uh, but it is not um, purpose that that is separate from the core of what you do. So that uh, what you do, that impact you're making, the meaning. Yep. What was the catalyst for that? How did that? How was that born? Was something that came from customers or an inspiration of the team, or was it your collaboration with your agency, or was there a something that happened in the past that caused you to rethink? What was the history of that? The and again, it's a fascinating part again for me also. Um, we spoke in the beginning a bit about engineering and stuff. It came basically from from our engineers, from from the people that work very far upstream, that think about uh, what is going to happen in ten years. What are we going to do uh, with uh, with engines in, in the case of uh, zero emission, or how can we make cars uh, safer? Um, they started developing these things from a pure. Um, believe that from an engineering and sort of the art of the possible point of view that hey this is possible we can make cars that are more fun to drive and that they are good for the environment and it started and I'll be honest it started before the marketeers and I believe actually that that probably is the the right way because the 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 advanced engineers especially in our industry that work so far upstream they are thinking every single day about what 
their job, what their technology, what their development can do to make things better. In, in brand and in marketing, uh, we don't always know what is possible, correct? So let's say 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I could not have said we should go and make uh, electric cars that are zero emission. Because why would I have said that? Because right. uh, to me, when I went to the golf course, I used to maybe drive, a, drive an electric car, but I did not have the knowledge to know that that was possible, correct? So um, I, I believe in the power of uh, brands and differentiation coming from both deep in, in the development side uh, of the company and then very strongly, and that that's for me is uh, uh, very important, very strongly inspired and uh, encouraged by brand and marketing people that frame it. So zero emission, zero fatality, for example, uh, or, or we talk about uh, intelligent Nissan, intelligent mobility. Those are definitely things where now as brand and marketing people, we come and we look at consumers and we look at what they want and they, uh, uh, they talk about what they want and why they want it. And we package and we make it far more consumer facing and, and, and usable in marketing. Whereas the, the original idea was purely, hey, we can make a car that doesn't use petrol. That's it. Whether the customer that point in time wants it or not, it was not necessarily a consideration. So working close together for me is what brings the best ideas. Yeah. And respecting each other, right? Oh, and listening. Yeah. So so we're already talking about your company and your brand. And you've been with Nissan 21 years, yep. pretty much your entire longer, career yeah. after university. And you've worked in the Netherlands, your home country. You worked yeah. in South Africa, and now you're working in Japan. So I'd like you to reflect on your career. And if you would, you know, give me a leadership lesson from each of those you know, times in your career that's helped shape you to be the person you are today. Yeah. So if you reflect on your career, first of all, I think what's, what's important is that in your career, you always do uh, everything you do with passion and and with a positive attitude and mindset and uh, you should always have an interest in people uh, whether they are consumers because you're in marketing or they are your peers or your colleagues or whatever and if you if you really truly genuinely have that I think careers can be very rich and I believe if then on top of that you've got the healthy doses of uh, of intellect which most of us have I think careers can be very rewarding and, and very, very encouraging. Um, looking back uh, also, what, what I've learned is that you, you need to persevere. You need to not uh, just go with whatever is on your way. I think you need to not have a strict goal of exactly, I need to do this because you need to open, uh, etc. But at the same time, uh, you, you, need to, uh, you need to be conscious about what you do when you do. And... And in that, at least that if I have done, you need to always not only make sure that you enjoy what you do, but you need to always, you need to learn every day. When, 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 when you get to a job where you feel, you know what, I, I'm not learning here anymore, I'm not growing anymore, at least in my case, um, you figure out how you get more responsibility. It doesn't necessarily, you can walk to your boss and say, hey, I'm bored, and need another job. It doesn't work that way. But what I've always done is you, you start projects yourself. You get involved in other activities. And if you work in most organizations, if you, if you step up, the opportunities, the opportunities are there. And, uh, and then things are on your way. And then 
you you go with you go with the flow and uh, you um, uh, before you blink your eyes you yeah, you, right. you work for many years. for many many years <laughs> yeah. correct um, the the other thing that I that I really enjoyed in in my career which I think is, is good is do jobs that look at things from different angles um, I've been uh, in, in sales, I've been in marketing, I've been in product planning, uh, I've done uh, what we call program management, which is really a combination of financial engineering, technicals, basically the project leader of the development of cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, w- what I've learned in my career, every time that you step a little bit of out of your comfort zone, uh, your your learning goes up dramatically. And And if I now look at the job I do now, and, and why I think I can add value to the company is because I, I do believe that throughout my experiences and the way I approached all of them, I have a pretty damn good understanding of what is driving the people around me, whether they work in engineering or whether they work in the sales team or whether they work in some parts of the world, different parts of the world. And, and that, that makes you a very rich person. And, and my view that, that makes it uh, rewarding to, to have such a long career with, with one company. Yeah. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website, and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. So you were in South Africa, and I'm not sure there's any other CMO in the world who had a couple of meetings with Nelson Mandela. Yeah, you so, asked uh, about leadership. And, yeah, and tell me about that. You. I mean, what, uh, <laughs> why did those meetings happen? What were the objectives? Yeah, some, I mean, what did things, you learn from that? What, uh, tell, tell us so, about You know, that. Some, sometimes things are, uh, um, are they, they fall on your way and, and, and it's pure luck, I would say, and, and, but that can still be life-changing. So, so what happened is we had a uh, part of what I was doing. Uh, I was looking after the, the, the marketing and sales business in, in South Africa. And part of what we were doing was uh, off-road racing. And you have the Paris-Dakar, mm-hmm. which, which is a big race. And we had a, a team uh, of uh, local uh, engineers and, and mechanics that were going to race with one of our cars in, in the Dakar. So... Uh, somebody in, in my team and in, in the PR uh, department, uh, they said, well, why don't we um, uh, write a letter to Nelson Mandela and ask him, uh, he, he just stepped down as president at the time, but he was still very active, uh, and ask him uh, if he could just send a little note of encouragement. Because many of the mechanics had never traveled even out of the city or, or definitely not uh, on such a big international expedition. And, and it was... At that time, South Africa was, there was a lot about pride in the country and uh, uh, a lot of uh, positive uh, sentiment. So we said, why don't we just send them that request? Very low-key, so fantastic idea, so the letter went. And then the phone rang. It said, it's Nelson Mandela. Can you come for breakfast oh my. tomorrow morning? Oh, my. <laughs> oh, somebody's pulling my leg here. No, that cannot be true. <laughs> um, 
so anyway, went uh, with uh, with my boss uh, at the at the time. The two of us uh, went and uh, we drove to his house. It was early in the morning. Uh, we fronted the gate and they checked our uh, um, our names, etc. We walked in and we were standing there in his compound, not knowing where to do, where to go. Ended up walking into the back of the kitchen where uh, two people were cooking, and they says, "Oh, you're coming for Mr. Mandela? Come in. Uh, he's still upstairs. Wait." So we were just hanging around, uh, completely informal. Um, anyway, we sit down, he comes down, he's a, a tall man, a large hand, and, and the first thing I realize is that, my goodness, this, th- there's energy walking in here. It's yeah. like, uh, of course, you're already a bit uh, overwhelmed uh, with, with that type of uh, opportunity, I guess, but he, he absolutely had presence. And uh, what, I, what I learned, which was, was fascinating in my view, he spoke, he sat down, uh, and he he spoke to us and he said, look, I understand that you guys want me to do this thing and I would love to do it for you because pride in this country and, and these type of opportunities we should celebrate and I will do it for you, not a problem. He said, but I need your help too. And he said that in uh, South Africa in the past, he says there are certain parts in uh, certain leaders, uh, traditional leaders uh, in the past uh, during the apartheid uh, times, that uh, had to protect their communities, etc., and um, they did not necessarily transform inside their communities. And uh, diseases like HIV and stuff were really, really big. Mm-hmm. And he says, "I need your help because uh, I need uh, to get people and the, these local kings and, and queens to get into their communities to talk about how to fight this thing." And anyway, so he said, basically, I would like uh, twelve cars. Six uh, four by fours, and he wanted six. He's a good negotiator. Uh, six free, but but Jim, and that's to me the learning. He was completely, utterly unapologetic about yeah. it, and it wasn't. And to be honest, no. it wasn't really a request. It right. was uh, right. you asked me this. Yeah. Okay. You opened the door. Now I want this. And what I learned in terms of negotiation there was the the, the honesty and the straightforwardness and. It wasn't awkward at all, and, and the compellingness to do it. I exactly, mean, it was it was it was a non-issue, and uh, just the right thing to do. Uh, absolutely, and uh, so anyway, we spent a couple of hours there. He uh, uh, he's just an, an amazing person, and he invited me to um, uh, to come to his holiday house somewhere else in South Africa to hand over these cars, um, and. Uh, I mean, this story, I, I can yeah. talk about this for a long time. The story carries on because when I got there, he was together with Oprah Winfrey and uh, because the two of them do a lot of work uh, work together and uh, uh, just an amazing experience. And when these things happen, it, you should just count yourself lucky and just take it all in and, and learn as much as you can from these type of experiences, which which I think I did. Yeah. So I, I, was, I worked in Prague in my career at Procter & Gamble and Václav Havel was you know, still alive. Yep. He was the president. And I got a chance to meet him as well, which is obviously a significant person in history and culture. And we, we just had the greatest time. He was so human, so easy to talk to, a great sense of humor. And he told me, you know, PNG does laundry detergent. And he told me how much he liked our laundry detergent. <laughs> and I said, well, that's great. Would you be a spokesperson for us? <laughs> he just laughed. So uh, those moments are just so remarkable. It's another, by the way, in marketing uh, experience that I had, which I, I've never forgotten. It was actually a detergent uh, story. I was at the agency uh, in South Africa, and the story came up about uh, uh, one of the detergent brands. Uh, they lost, I don't know, a massive amount of market share in uh, in South Africa. And, 
and they were telling the story that basically all over the world, and I know nothing about detergents, so I might be wrong here, but packaging was getting smaller. Yes, right. And right. the detergents were actually getting more concentrated, uh, and you should use less. Yes. And uh, but their share completely collapsed until they went into the local communities and figured out how a lot of women were doing their washing, which was basically you you throw a certain amount of detergent in in a in a still piece of water then you shake it until there is enough soap uh, and then you wash your clothes and the only thing they forgot to do because they didn't think it was important was to make sure that this stuff creates a lot of soap so it did not create a lot of soap uh, and their share just went uh, uh, right down but anyway it's these small moments small where you going. listen to them and you say you know what uh, and in, in, in Japan, we talk about the Gamba, which is the mm-hmm. place of operation where it goes. And still today, uh, the, this concept of go to the Gamba, go go where action takes place, go to real people, go to real consumers, talk to everybody, because what you learn there is is essential to do your uh, to do your yeah, job. Every every marketing failure I had, I did not I did not pay attention to the consumer. I either yeah. reapplied a global model. Or made an assumption, and it's, and, it, and it's so easy to happen. Yeah, it's so easy to happen because we lead we lead busy lives, and yeah. uh, uh, and the only way to uh, to fight against that, because I think us marketers, we have to fight against that every day because it's so easy, and especially when you have a lot of experience, you start to think right. that you know That's certain right. things. Uh, is to keep your passion for talking to people and to to look at things and experience things. So, one last question about Mandela: When you think about your experience with him, what as a leader did you sort of take away his? His naturalness, his humanity, his his warm personality, uh, his charisma. I mean, actually, all, all of, of that. that. All of uh, that. What I, but look, I lived there also in, in South Africa, so it was not only that experience. Yeah. But but he he did that even in that meeting. He did exactly the same. But his ability to to bring people together for a common purpose and a common goal, and to do that using all elements of humanity. Uh, is is overwhelming because he was charming. He, I was there, by the way, with uh, with my boss, who's a white South African, uh, and he was very straight with him. And he said uh, that uh, there were a lot of benefits uh, to to you in the previous uh, system, and now we need to build a new country, and now it's time to to give back. And he spoke about our company having so so at times he was he was firm, uh, not confrontational, but but pretty direct. Um, then he was very warm. Uh, then he was very direct. Um, uh, he was a very unique person in, in bringing all of these elements uh, together in, in, in a super powerful mix. And then his strength, of course, if you, if you listen to his story and uh, you read his, his history, is that to do that at the most difficult of times. I mean, this breakfast was... He probably forgot about it the minute after, and I still think about it uh, 25 years later. But uh, but he did the same in the most difficult of times for him personally as a human, for the country, for for everything. And and he he managed to do exactly the same. Use ele- all elements that we have been given as humans, and somehow always package them in in the right in the right mix of things. Uh, truly remarkable. Yeah, it's amazing. Okay, let's get back to uh, talking a bit about your company and your role. You've been you've been uh, so you have a, a long job title and a good job title. <laughs> so it's head of global marketing, VP head of global marketing, communications, customer experience, and brand. That's a big scope. 
and you've been at this yep. about six and a half years. Yep. So tell me about your job. You know, where do you focus? What do you, what do you do? How do you spend your time? What can other CMOs learn about how you approach your work? So I guess like uh, like many of us, a lot of my time is talking to people. Um, I think that's a very big portion of my time. What I still do a lot, and, and I really believe in that, and I think in our company that that's pretty pretty common, but you still have to be pretty knowledgeable about the content of what what's going on. So I stay very close to reality. I still approve every single main ad in the world every week. Uh, so, so how many uh, is that in, uh, in a given week? Well, so I don't do an Instagram picture, yeah, for example, yeah. not. But major campaigns that that I look at every week is at least uh, twenty to thirty, and then my because we've delegated, my team will then go another level down. They go in all the videos, so so we we probably do over a hundred uh, every every single week. Uh, and I think it's important because you you need to know what's uh, uh, what's going on. Um, so uh, a lot of time talking to people, uh, a lot of time uh, really getting into content discussions of what what's going on. I do uh, fortunate or unfortunate, but probably 30, 40 percent of my time are corporate meetings, um, mm-hmm. which which sure. we just have to be uh, be part of. Um, in terms of the. Uh, where do I spend most of my time at at the moment, uh, especially in terms of uh, um, intensity? Uh, I would say it's the what we discussed in the beginning. What are the uh, what are the structures, the processes uh, that we need to develop and set up to become a good marketer for the future? Mm-hmm. Um, so agency structures, partnerships, uh, how do we use uh, technology, et cetera, that we start up. That, that is a big part of what, what I uh, spent my time on. And the other one, and that's probably actually the biggest one, uh, is on customer experience. Uh, I believe the, the future of marketing is the management of the customer experience. Um, so I don't know if the word marketing still exists in the future or the word customer experience doesn't exist. I don't know, but I believe it's going to be one thing. And uh, I'll give you one example. In our industry, we are very lucky that we have a very deep relationship with our consumers over a long period uh, of time. But at the same time, we have a complex one because, uh, of course, the purchase process for a vehicle is a very long but emotive and uh, uh, um involving uh, process uh, which uh, which i think again is a, is a big opportunity but but consumers do a lot of searching testing connecting often um, we have uh, we finance cars we're a big bank um, so most of the cars uh, many of the cars that we sell we actually finance so we actually a big bank we insure cars uh, the cars themselves these days are basically a sophisticated computer a very sophisticated computer, by the way. Uh, they are a very sophisticated smartphone. They're a television. Uh, and on top of that, they need to drive and be safe. And by the way, drive by themselves. Um, and then our consumers have relationship with our dealers and they service the vehicles over five years uh, time. And then they trade them in, etc. So many touch points. Now, today, the industry is and not only us, but but all of us. We, we have these touch points Unconnected. Not all of them, but many of them are not really connected. So for you as a as a consumer, when you want to book a service, maybe for some of us there is an app where you can book the service. But can you in the same app check what is your outstanding finance? Or if you trade in your vehicle today, what value would you get? Or uh, how you could maybe change your not driving behavior to be more efficient? It doesn't exist. And uh, the customers really, I think, 
wanted and expected. So we need to build an, an integrated, frictionless uh, customer experience uh, because our customers want that. But the other reason we need to build it is that that will give us the ticket to exist another 100 years. Because if we really do that, we create an experience for consumers that, that they want to have with us. Because within the Nissan family, it is better to hang around than to step out uh, and buy my car online from, from some external company or service my car with, with another player because I step out of the ecosystem that, that really looks, looks after me. Um, so that's the one part. But the other part when I come to the marketing is that if we do this, we, we will be, we already are, but it's not integrated. One of the biggest data companies in the sense that we have so much data because of course we know when people come to our website and we search and many brands have that but we also have how often they service a car we have where they drive how they drive how fast they drive if they uh, we know because we finance the cars we know everything about them uh, financially uh, uh, because we insure the cars so, so the amount of knowledge we have of consumers is is incredible so if we manage to to connect that and make it usable and useful uh, and very important beneficial to the consumer uh, because i really believe that if you use data without the objective of making the love of your consumer better it's going to come back to bite you at some stage but if we use all of that data to make our customers lives better we we will do marketing in a completely different way to today because you you basically continuously optimizing each one of your touch points with your consumer. And the touch point, by the way, can also be the watching of a YouTube uh, video, correct? It's one of the touch points, but so is I'm servicing, so is whatever they do inside inside of the vehicle. So it is a massive opportunity. And I spend a lot of time there uh, because it's it's complex to build. It's very complex to build because... Uh, How do you even start? I mean, just well, you just described a very yeah. visionary. I mean, who, who doesn't want to be part of that? But where do you start? Yeah, so it's almost, uh, I see that future, but well, you start, and that, that we spoke earlier a bit about the lessons in career. Is that the one thing I often say is that you need to make progress every day on something somewhere, and especially in things very complex like this. Uh, what for me is is very important is that you have a vision. You build, of course, a team of people around you. I mean, I've got a uh, the guy who, who looks after customer experience uh, for me. Uh, uh, Madhu, he's amazing, and he's really, really an expert in this, which I am not. But but he really is. But you build a team of people um, uh, around you that that know what it's about. You have a joint, strong vision of what you want to do. Uh, you have a pretty decent idea of what the first building blocks are that you need to have, and then you 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 basically start running the machine. You create an organization. Uh, you need certain processes. Um, you make sure that they have certain things to deliver in the short term. And then you, you, you just run it, you grind it every day. Uh, one of the first things we did uh, was we had 54 individual website platforms all over the world. And we said, you know, if we want to start integrating the stuff and we don't fix that, then we have no chance. Because basically, if you say the, the website or, or the app, but if that is the front end where the consumer engages with me, if we cannot manage 54. So that's that's not going to happen. So we and and that's big learning. So we went actually as a first project say okay we want one platform uh, on which all of our websites all of the world mm -hmm. will run. And we now have by far the biggest automotive single platform uh, in the world. But the project was probably the biggest nightmare of my life because what but I you had to do did it, right? not realize 
Um, yeah, if I go back, I don't know if we would do, but what I didn't realize is the the complexity of uh, integrating uh, into the consumer. In the past, when we started websites in the beginning of our, of our careers, they were standalone front-end right. items, so beautiful pictures, and you click. And then we added, in our case, where you can configure the car. Okay, we added that, but we sort of manually uploaded the, the top 50 specs. Uh, but now, when you want to build a customer experience, that's not going to do it because you need to integrate uh, the data from the finance and from the car and uh, et cetera. So, so the project just became this enormous uh, monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, what I said earlier, you need to persevere. Uh, you need to then just head down and, uh, and work through it. Yeah. So what do you love about your job and what drives you crazy? <laughs> what, what I love is the, 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 the massive... I think potential, the change that we are going through everywhere, both in, in automotive as a, as a category, uh, the autonomous cars, the connected cars, all of that, uh, but also marketing uh, and marketing communication as an industry. It's, uh, it's really fascinating. It, it's moving. I mean, things always change. Things always move. Uh, but I genuinely believe that we, we're in an acceleration mode uh, that, that we haven't seen uh, before and uh, and I think that's fascinating. Uh, the other thing I I really enjoy of uh, my specific job is how international it is. I I I speak to at least uh, six seven countries every day. I think I have forty nationalities sitting on uh, on the floor uh, in in front of my office and uh, people. I think people always the most inspiring mm-hmm. part of. Uh, of Once you work job. in that environment, you can't go back. Right, yeah, back to what? There's something more simple, like no, uh, yeah. Sometimes yeah. Uh, I play golf every day. Or, yeah, uh, <laughs> but no, but I mean, uh, working around lots of nationalities and the diversity. Just no, it's, uh, it's, it's just it's very addictive. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very addictive and it's very inspiring. And and you actually realize that when you when you then go because of course I often go to a market and I sit in meetings where you only have people from that specific uh, market. Is that how? much I think some of these teams actually are missing uh, because they don't have that uh, exposure. And But look, uh, we're lucky. No? Right. I'm, I'm sitting here. I had a chance to work in different markets. Uh, not everybody has that opportunity. What, what I think everybody does and should have who wants to have a successful career is a is an interest in people and an interest in, in things that happen around you. I think that we should ask of all of our employees. Uh, curiosity, uh, curiosity, learning. I think that's the that's yeah. the best word. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, your company has been in the news a lot, right? Every day. Yeah. So, and but every company and brand faces tough times, crises, if you want to call them that. So, what have you learned in this one that could help others? First of all, when when a crisis happened, uh, there are many different types of crises. And in my career, I went to a few of them uh, and uh, when uh, when I was in South Africa things were all going well and they changed the credit act in the country which means mm-hmm. that banks were uh, really putting their screws on financing people so the market collapsed 20% we all went through the uh, the Lehman shock uh, in Japan we I was there we had the earthquake sure. and uh, we had all these type of issues now these crises are things that happen from the outside you need mm-hmm. to deal with um, what we, some of what we go through now is also coming from the outside, but some inside the company come from within because you, 
uh, go a certain direction turns out to be uh, the wrong direction or uh, in our case we, we had uh, a chairman uh, who um, got accused of, of mm -hmm. certain things I mean these, these things these things happen what what I learn is a couple of things so first of all as a as a leader you need to um, immediately in my view look after your people and your teams because what you when you're in a, in a more senior position uh, what the knowledge that you have of the situation and the exposure that you have to leadership in terms of understanding why we are where we are and uh, and what we are going to do about it that knowledge uh, is essential to to the people in the organization to find their motivation so there is no way out of a crisis uh, in my view uh, that does not have a very big portion of uh, positive new momentum. Uh, of course, when you when you hit trouble, you need to make your immediate countermeasures, which which companies do, and and of course we we are doing. But that is not the ultimate goal, the solution. Uh, the the new way is the solution. So uh, what I learned is that you immediately take your people close to you, uh, talk to them. Uh, involve them, explain, be honest if you don't know. Uh, like, like in our case uh, at Nissan, there's news every day. And I don't know everything, but you can prepare people also for that. They should know that they have a, a manager or, or a leader that, that, is, that is there to work together with them. And then the other thing, which, uh, um, and especially that applies for, for our job in, in marketing, that's very important is that we as as brand or, or marketeers, um, we have a very, very big responsibility to make the future of the company become visible, become alive, uh, become uh, something that people can hold on to. Because there's a, uh, of course, as marketeers and as brand, we're also part of setting the direction of the company. But what I'm talking about now is that uh, we should not underestimate the uh, content that we that we create, the messages that we send out, uh, because people in an organization in in a tough time, uh, they they look at the stuff that their company is doing. And if I come home and every time I get questions, oh, you work for Nissan, lots of stuff going on there. What's wrong? What's wrong? Uh, it's tough to then go and answer, especially if you if you don't really know the story. Say, so, well, I also don't know, but yes, it's it's very tough. Um, so we as marketing people, if we talk about, like now we spoke earlier about electric cars, about uh, zero emission, zero fatality, or intelligent mobility, or new cars that are coming. In my view, you need to, um, when the crisis hits, you need to do your countermeasures and get pretty damn serious and, and quick about it. Uh, at that time, you probably shouldn't come with beautiful stories. Right. Uh, it's not right. the moment. But you, and that's interesting for marketeers, at that time, you need to prepare them. Mm -hmm. You're not exposing right. them. So I'm now spending a lot of my time with the agencies, with my people, about, well, call it Nissan Next, the next thing. Mm -hmm. So as I want to pump up our creativity. I go and say, what are the cars we're going to launch? What are the big moments in time? Uh, plan the moment, start doing it, start create energy. So because every crisis has an end. Uh, and, and after that, you need to very quickly go, go back up. Uh, and if you do that well, then many companies, not all, but most companies come stronger out of a crisis than the way they went in. And, and I think that that will happen to Nissan too. That's great learning. Well, you know, people like comebacks. Yep. Human beings like to see organizations come back, right? Correct. It's a classic story. 
Ja, en, uh, en uh, organizations. Resilience. Ja, organizations, dat is eigenlijk wat ik zei. Organizations are resilient. We've been mm. around for 85 years. En uh, it's not going to be the last crisis. Um, so, um, it's not about whether they will happen. It's what you do with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I want to end with a little bit of a speed round. Okay. okay. So, I want you to tell me uh, a non-auto brand that you cannot live without or that you just really love. Netflix. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, what are you watching now? What are you watching on Netflix? Uh, uh, or what's one of your favorite series? Probably three or four things uh, at the at the same uh, at the same time. Um, so, I I watch a lot of the. There's a there's a lot of um, content coming from individual local markets. Uh, so, we have a lot of Nordic uh, stories uh, yeah. that that are out the there. Good crime are, stories. Uh, crime stories yeah. uh, that are out there. Uh, there's a David Letterman. Uh, uh, I watched that too. I I watched that uh, the last uh, episode uh, yesterday. Um, but th- that brand is is making a real difference uh, difference in my life mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. So, uh, your favorite ad ever? Wow, my favorite ad uh, ever. So uh, I would uh, I would still the think Apple mm-hmm. uh, think different. Well, think yeah. different. Uh, that was that was really good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing. So any do you, are you a book reader? Are you reading any book now or is there, is there any book that's been significant for you? No, recently? I don't I don't read too many books. I do read books, but it's mm-hmm. uh, the the James Pattersons and yeah, the, right, the, right. the crime yeah, stories. Vacation and, books. Uh, yeah, I uh, I must be honest uh, the 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 management books and stuff I they're pretty uh, boring. No, all boring. <laughs> Maybe some of them are boring, but it somehow feels like work. Yeah, um, and yeah. Uh, then I interesting. I I rather listen to podcasts, right? Uh, which, by the way, went through an amazing. Uh, I don't know if it's a revival or not, but uh, the amount of stuff that you have in podcasts these days is—it's uh, still is growing. Amazing. It's a it's a it's media amazing. form that is exploding. Yeah, yeah. and I and, think it's uh, still, and we have many years of that to come. I think, so and when, it will get better and better. I think. Yeah. When, so when I read, it's really the the entertainment stuff and. Uh, uh, and, and if I'm interested in, in stories of, of entrepreneurs or stories mm-hmm. or whatever, uh, I think podcast is interesting. Yeah. So, then I don't so what podcast do you like? Well, yours, uh, yours of <laughs> course. <Good. laughs> Especially now. <laughs> uh, but uh, quite a bit, I mean, on NPR, there are a number which, uh, which are very interesting. Yeah. So last question, who else would you like to see on the CMO podcast? Or what industries would you like to see more of? Well, I think we, we we spoke a little bit earlier about the the holding companies, and and I thought I'll, I'm interested in uh, in listening to someone. Of course, I I do. Uh, it's a good idea. One on one and uh, things because uh, what's interesting for me is the the various players in this industry. Uh, we all have our point of view. So I'm sort of the marketeer, the client uh, type of guy. It might be interesting to go to some of these consultancy companies and listen. Why are you making such a big play into the industry? What are your thoughts of the industry? Uh, those for me interesting because, uh, as I said in the beginning, the, what the end solution is going to be, I don't know yet. And it's probably going to be uh, somewhere in, in one, of those, uh, one of those interviews or a combination of little snippets of what, what all of these players are saying. Because all of them are coming to, to the party with real knowledge and expertise, whether it's us as marketeers or the uh, consultancy companies or the holding groups or, or the platforms uh, they, they all have really good knowledge about part of it um, 
So yeah, I think it would be fascinating if you if you look at the same issue maybe from a couple of uh, a couple of angles. I like it, Roll. Thanks for the idea, <laughs> for the inspiration. Yeah, hey, this good. was great. I loved really. it. It's, Thanks uh, for doing it. So much it. fun. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was my conversation with Roll DeVries. What I loved about it was his discussion on customer experience. He spoke so much about the desired customer experience and how to tackle that in a large enterprise. There are so many lessons in that. And I also loved how he talked about competition. Tesla, other competitors, they make them good, they make them sharp, they make the industry better, and competition makes the world better. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribe so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.